Welcome to TMD, short for Too Much Dip, the Too Much Dip podcast. My name's Dave. Let it finish. Joining me today, doing the pod on a cold, rainy morning in Austin, Texas, it's Dylan Chevrolet. It's <laughs> a callback. Sound like my wife. Uh, no, but for real, real talk. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Um, you mentioned the weather. Nasty outside, which is when I thrive. So I'm in a great mood, despite uh, catching four L's over the weekend. My NFL team, my college team, and my two fantasy teams. Four L's, don't even look at me. I'm unfazed. Don't even care. Smiling through it all. Don't Can't believe care. it. I'm here. I'm happy. We got KJ right there. Just killing it, man. Coming to us live from Madison, Wisconsin. KJ. Six years into this, you feel like I would remember how to uh, hit the record button. Uh, but for those who missed the riveting weather content prior to this, I'll spare you. I need y'all to um, pass, not pass judgment, but I, I need a ruling, if you will. Um, there's been some going on, goings on in my home here in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and I was going to talk about it Thursday. Eddie was electric. Didn't really have room for it. I'm glad that we didn't discuss it then. Eddie Radosevich. Eddie Radosevich. Tremendous guess. Crushed it. Um, I need to know if I'm being holocupped. Holocaust. This is in, in no way in relation to anything Kyrie or anything like that. This is in regards to um, decisions being made in my house unilaterally here in the holiday season. Ooh, okay. Um, I've been waiting I for believe, something like this in my uh, let's setup. Let's go. A few weeks ago, Dylan and, you know, brought to the table uh, Halloween decorations were occurring at his house. He made the decision, or I guess uh, his wife said, hey, we're decorating. His input was. We're only doing the outside of the house, I believe. Was that not the feedback uh, correct? Uh, no, we have not started decorating yet. For um, Halloween, I'm saying. Oh, for Halloween? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. We did the outside of the house only. Correct. Yes. I love that. There's some balance. There was a little give and take. Um, I love a good deal as well as, as much as anyone, but... Uh, I woke up one day to be told, essentially, hey, I ordered a Christmas tree. It'll be here in a couple of weeks. I ordered a small one for uh, upstairs. And fast forward a week later, full Christmas tree's up, which I did say, you know what? I'm okay with decorating early. We've got some travel, other things coming up. No big deal on that. But it went from like zero holiday season to 100. I had no input on tree selection, on theme, on decor, and your boy's feeling a little bit salty about it. Uh, why, why is this? Is this because you've seen the tree that was ordered and you don't approve? or you, it tur It's turned out okay. Just because I, you didn't I have input. Not say it's, it's not at the level of uh, you know, sending it out for Dylan grading. Yeah, if I, I were to put a grade on it, myself. what would you think it would, it would earn right now? We'd be a solid, you know, mid-tier contender. You know, mm -hmm. somewhere between those mid fours mm. and like low sixes, probably just out of you just being nice that is, day. Is there us. any is there anything you can do to make it better? Or I mean, is this thing like is it a white tree? Just tell us. <sighs> In what way? Uh, actually one of them like is literally uh, actually one. white. Not like a <laughs> not like a white people tree. <laughs> There's no green bean casserole ornaments. Uh the tree upstairs for the kids is a white tree. That one doesn't bother me. It's for the kids. doesn't matter. It's an accessory tree. Run wild. But the main tree, it's okay. It's normal. It's pre-lit. There's nothing wrong with the actual tree. I guess here's where my issue is. Uh, this being the first holiday season, living in an area where I could go get a hacksaw, maybe a bone saw, if you will, and uh, remove a tree from the earth and bring it back into my house and Stand that, you know, SOB up in the corner. Be miserable for like four weeks because it'll die slowly and look kind of average. I don't get to have any of that disappointment in my life. And I think I was looking forward to it. You probably would use a chainsaw for the activity you just described. You could use a bone saw. I mean, I guess you could use a bone saw. <laughs> um, so you're talking real versus fake. Um, 
just more so being Look, involved in the decision making at all, I think, is really where my. Uh, there's no denying I'm, that a, a fake tree can can look really really strong, if not better than a real tree. But there's nothing like a real tree in your home. It's got the smell to it. It's got the whole like going out and picking the thing out, and um, and bringing it home and shaking all the needles off of it and keeping it watered. All that stuff's really fun, I think. But it is a chore. It is big time chore to keep that thing going, keeping it healthy and getting it in and out. Then you got to get rid of it at the end of the at the end of Christmas. It's a whole thing. Um, having said that, a fake tree is an automatic one point deduction on the Dylan ranking or rating, I should say. Yeah. Automatic one point because it's it's just easier. It's easier to do a fake one. Fair, fair. I guess would either of you be upset if uh, you left to go, you know, record some fire content for the day? Your home looked completely normal, and you returned home, and the entire house was decorated without any input from you. Would you be happy that it was done and you didn't have to do anything, or would you be like, "Oh man, I kind of kind of wanted to pick out what ornaments"? Were I'd be a little disappointed that I didn't I didn't have a say. I didn't have input. I wasn't part of the process. Yeah, I, I I do feel you on that. The only the only activity I really enjoy is hanging the ornaments on the tree. That was something as a child I I took great pride in, and uh, you know that's to, a to a this day big night in the Chevrolet household. We uh, it's 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 all get, I can't get comfortable with that and Chevrolet, <laughs> and it's all my doing. I'm like, all right, tonight's the night. We as a family, one by one. We're going to hang ornaments on the tree, and we, we pick it out of the box, and we look at it, and we're like, oh, this was from, you know, 2013 when so-and-so happened. You say a little something nice yeah, about each one. It, like, we, we give each other ornaments each year that, like, represent the year we've had, and I'll put the date on the back somewhere in Sharpie, and uh, it'll it's like a little reminiscing, a little walk down memory lane, and it's uh, it's fun, mostly for me, to be fair. The kids, like, give or take, but I have fun with it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I think my wife's tried to have that like event happen. I've been so salty about the fact that the tree's like up lit, the house is decorated. It's like, oh, let's hang these extra ornaments. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. You finish your tree. This is your holiday. You, I'm good. Wake me when it's time for presents. Uh, and the two year old is absolutely just being an, an mf'er about just ripping ornaments off the tree. That's a that's a a game changer because, you know, Rhodes is at the age where if he sees an ornament, specifically a round one, he's going to say ball. He's yep. going to grab it and he's going to throw it. He likes to throw things. So we're like faced with the choice. Do we just keep them up high? Like all ornaments? Do we have like a, you know, like a ceiling or I guess a floor, higher floor? I don't know. We're about to have to, we're about to find out. We're probably putting our tree up next week. Well, Before Thanksgiving. on that. I think so. Oh. I think so. I support it. I just want Will to get it over God. with. I do though. I'm not saying we're gonna light it up. We're not our our the lights on our home have not gone up yet, but stay tuned. I love Christmas time, man. Sorry to derail. That's okay. Just been, just been steaming for a few few days. That's okay. Um awkward transition into this uh fucked UVA story. I've got the uh, New York Times, who, by the way, shout out to the New York Times. They're, I guess when there's something like this where updates are rolling in, they just live update their page, which I know isn't like some marvel of technology, but they do it in a very, very easy to navigate fashion. Is it the failing New York Times? Yes. They've been failing for a while, but apparently they're still, they're still putting out material. Interesting. But yeah, three, three football players, I believe the, the suspect, was formerly on the team, uh, no motive or anything. People are speculating. We're not going to do that, but this is this is truly shit. Uh, tragic, very very terrible story. Three. Yeah, I, I, I've had it sent to me a couple times. Of course, I've seen it as everyone I feel like has at this point. It's like front page of CNN and every other, as you mentioned, New York Times. Um. I think when I first saw the story, it was, okay, you're dealing with campus on lockdown, a shelter in place, and the story begins to unfold little by little. Uh, I think they'd had the suspect's photo up, and it was from the 2018 roster, so you kind of began to piece together parts of the story, and then when you find out all of the other victims were also uh, athletes or, or, or members of the team, 
my mind was kind of split in two. It was like terrible amount of uh, just trauma to deal with for the family members and that entire network of the teams. I just got done having very bad opinions about like what the University of Utah should or shouldn't do with its memorials years after uh, the loss of two separate players. Um, so I'm not going to share any bad takes like that. Uh, I will, I will share one thought, uh, that maybe when reporting the story and it's not on us here, uh, there have been like unnecessary additions to describing the, uh, suspects like status on the team, as opposed to saying on or off the team or former player. I've seen it former walk-on also oh gosh. You know, in adding his name. I'm like, what does this scholarship status have to do with anything yeah. here? Just to be clear. Just, just so, not needed. Just to be clear, the perp uh, was not ever given a scholarship. Like, I don't know what that <laughs> hey, adds to the story. Yeah, it just, just feels like filler. <laughs> like, uh, that, that blows, that, you know, puzzles me. And I'm hoping that as we hear about the victims that I don't also need to know about like their stat lines or their yeah. all conference nominations. Like I'm hoping we can just absorb a story like on the basis of human beings. We don't have to like, you know, style it up with extra like sports yeah. it up a more. <laughs> I don't have any faith in us and being able to do that, but I hope you're right. Um, yeah, but terrible, terrible. So, where do we begin? Do you guys want to do Fraud Bowl? <laughs> the Fraud Bowl, which might actually could could apply to either of these two games that we're about to jump into, but Bama and Ole Miss, the uh, the bread is sad bowl, as some have dubbed it. They covered, though. Yeah, it turns out 11 and a half. <laughs> One of the few I picked correctly over the weekend. Same. Same. Um, um were either of you shocked at the outcome or how the game unfolded at all? No, no, not in the least bit. It was a le- it was honestly maybe the least shocking game of the weekend, other than what happened in Waco. And I'm not talking about the Branch Davidians. And that was a while was back. Like, it wasn't this weekend. Reminds me of those six tragedies. Right. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um, uh, the running back for Ole Miss is incredible. I can't wait to see him for at least another year or two, hopefully in Ole Miss uh, throughout his career. Judkins, I believe his name is. That's not like a new revelation. He's been tremendous all season. Um, And he continued that. Jackson Dart, I'm a believer. I don't think he's the problem here. Uh, I thought it was a well-played game. The outcome didn't bother me. But looking back over the schedules of some SEC teams, I do this every single year. And so I don't mean to like continue to build upon this, but some immediately the stories of like, does this get Alabama back into title contention or can they make it back into X, Y, Z? And I'm just like, why are we continuing to try to like prop Alabama up? If not just a prop, like other teams up, like LSU almost dropped a game to the backup quarterback for Arkansas. That was nasty. That was a bad game. They were have been like crowned like oh here's the bell of the ball for the SEC we can just it's okay just to be like the SEC is a little bit down Arkansas yeah. coming off of a loss to Liberty have y'all seen true freshman Harold Perkins Jr. play for LSU the linebacker yeah that dude uh, oh my gosh yeah uh, he's a five star kid out of Texas uh, Houston area I want to say and this dude is a is a he looks I mean he looks like Micah out there Parsons not Weiner. Um, he's just he's unbelievable the kid is so sick he flies around Cyprus he flies around the field he's so athletic he's he runs like a safety but he's big and he's just a freak man that kid's gonna be he's already is something to watch but my goodness they've got two freshmen two freshmen wow two freshmen tackle (laughs) or uh on their line maybe they're both not tackles but it's going to be hard to keep LSU like in their place um, over the next few years. And, you know, shouts to Brian Kelly for uh, hopefully he's able to build upon that. Uh, if Jaden Daniels is the quarterback, we'll see. But um, 
I just, again, I, all of those things can be true and it's okay to focus on Georgia being, you know, verified. Great. Uh, Tennessee being very good this year uh, and the rest of the SEC just being a little, a little more mid than usual. Um, it, I guess that's, that's my whole rant. Uh, it's not on our rundown, but I do think that the ACC with uh, Clemson um, and I'm, I'm completely blanking on the other team out of the ACC that's been in contention. Uh, Clemson Wake. this year, at least. Yeah, I guess I guess it's Wake Forest. Um, both teams deserve a little bit. Or no, I'm North Carolina. North Carolina is who I'm thinking. Uh, both teams dropped a game to Notre Dame. Uh, if not for you know Notre Dame's f up to Marshall, hanging in there against Ohio State, it's like how bad do those losses look uh, now? And so. I'm interested if we end up with a situation where Clemson, Oregon, Georgia, and then we're looking for a fourth if it doesn't end up being TCU, uh, like how many voices are going to be like trying to push LSU into that box or somebody else from the SEC. I'm not ready for that. Can you guys engage in some serious sports talk while I hit an all-time low and pee four minutes into the pod? <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I didn't plan <laughs> Are you straight. kidding? No. Well, this is perfectly timed because it brings us to um, Saturday night in Austin, Texas, which before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game, I kind of generally want to know about what the vibe was like in the city. Did it feel like, oh, we have a big – you've been around for the Notre Dame game of a handful of years ago, uh, Alabama earlier this year. Like, what was the scene yeah, um, leading up to the game? a lot of buzz in the city. Um, obviously, college game day was in Austin for the second time this year. Um, Austin is a place that doesn't get a lot of good home games. Um, obviously, they play OU um, on a neutral field in Dallas every year. And with A&M leaving for the SEC years ago, like that game discontinued, obviously. So the other Big 12 teams, you know, obviously TCU, Baylor are, are good here and there, and they'll come to town, and that's a decently big game. But having a top five team um, play here, I mean, this is for the second time this season, obviously. Uh, pretty rare for those kind of games to be in Austin. So it was exciting. The weather was absolutely perfect that day. I mean, it was like high 50s and sunny. It was beautiful. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of buzz. Um, a lot of buzz in Austin on Saturday. Texas was favored in the game. It, 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 a lot of just weird confidence in Texas. I mean, I was uh, – I did pick Texas to win, but I, I even said I don't think Texas is going to win. I just can't pick against them. Um, so, yeah, it was – back and look, listen to your uh, big boy stacks. You picked Texas first half. I picked Texas first half, but I thought te- – I, I had a feeling Texas was not going to win the game. But yep, Texas has been – consistent in that. Texas has been a first-half team all year long. Get out to these really big leads, and then it's like, all right, here comes second-half Sark, and it's like, can Texas hold on to it? And sometimes they do, Kansas State. And then they haven't. So uh, a game did not go like I thought it would go. The defense, however, um, one blown coverage in the second half, a true freshman that was filling in for a a starter who was injured, blew a coverage, and then Quentin Johnston scored a touchdown. And then there was one running play where TCU broke one for, I don't know, 70-something yards. Minus those two plays, Texas defense was outstanding. Very impressed with that. Overshone looked great. What was the final score? Uh, seventeen ten. Yeah, I think you'll you'll take that from your defense. Seventeen ten. Defense looked great. Held TCU to I maybe their season low yards wise on the season. Obviously, um, season low if it's for the season. But uh, the offense, though, my God, I don't I don't know what's going on. The last six quarters, Texas has put up six points. The offense has put up six points. I hadn't taken into account the familiarity here on the coaching staffs, they brought it up on, uh, on the uh, presentation on the, on, on the TV. Uh, Sonny Dykes having been at Cal when Sark was at USC, the defensive coordinator for TCU, I believe at the time was at Washington or Washington state. Um, so there was a lot of familiarity within the two teams. And then of course you've got Gary Patterson who was at TCU when Sonny was at SMU. So even though it's 
first time matchup of what feels like these two teams in their current forms for everybody on the outside. I, I wonder how much of that led to the on the field output that you, or the lack of output that you saw on both sides. Um, because yeah, Texas's offense looked bad. It's not to say that TCU's looked great. Um, I'm a Quentin Johnson doubter. I think he's talented. I think he's got some skills. Uh, it's just weird that they didn't show up against what I think is one of the worst secondaries in the nation in SMU, uh, giving up 700 yards to Houston, but he didn't have 20 yards in that game or whatever it was. The skillet was so, on the line, though. That's different. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I wasn't as surprised to see it being a little bit more of – slugfest to use a cliche i was just absolutely blown away by how consistently quinn ewers overthrew his, his receivers because they got open yeah they were calling plays that worked and there was just a couple times that like it's like okay you miss worthy on the first one great yeah six seven plays later you'll hit him and it was like three four yards every single time yeah, I, I definitely contributed to a lot of the Quinn Ewers hype early on. I mean, he looked fantastic against OU and just hasn't looked that good since then. He looked okay against Iowa State and then just went downhill from there. Look, his footwork is bad. He can't hit a deep ball to save his life. He's overthrowing everything. Uh, he's not going through progressions very effectively. He just doesn't look good. I, I don't know if... Maybe it's a discomfort thing. I don't think he's bad. I don't know if I Sark's... think a lot of the quick, like hey, this guy's overrated takes or start Arch Manning, like rumblings that are beginning. I think that's all absurd. Yeah. Like, the kid's still, still an 18-year-old. Yeah, the kid's still very, very young, and he's he obviously has a huge arm. So we'll see if he um, develops. I mean, that, that's why Sark was brought – Sark's like the quarterback guy. Like, this is, that's, it's, this is what he does. And for, for his quarterback to put that product on the field, here we are, the, the 10th game in. Um, not great. I don't know. My uh, – my hopes are dwindling a bit for for this. It's, it's early, but um, he's got to show us a lot more. A very disappointing game. Huge recruiting Before, weekend for uh, Texas too, and for that to for the, that game to transpire the way it did, it was it sucked. Yeah, I don't think the loss is always like a complete blow up to those recruitment events. It's I think the lack of fireworks in between the loss. Like you can lose like you did to Bama and still play in your favor. I think the lack of offense was probably a little hard to contain. Um, before we started talking about the details of the game, David, I was asking him what the scene in Austin was like. Uh, part of the reason I was curious was because anytime I see a, a member of the young family looking for tickets the week of, I'm a little bit surprised because I feel like access is uh, usually a given there. And then there were quite a few ZA cards I saw played. Yeah, uh, on, famously. on the Instagram. Played mine yesterday. So it seemed to be a pretty solid weekend. Yeah, the vibes were the, the vibes were dare I say immaculate. Great weather. I'm not sure what the situation was, but if it tells you anything, um, an un, unnamed uh, coworker slash host of Circling Back did leave the, the Texas game early. And I don't blame no, him at all. that tells me nothing about anything except for that host. <laughs> that, I don't blame him. Um, but, no, the vibes, the vibes were good. But, you know, I was I was at dinner with Dylan following what was going on up 35. You had K-State, Baylor, you know, thinking this, you know, Baylor's still in this Big 12 race. And they just got they just got ran over, and it doesn't make any sense. Not that, K, you know, K-State is a good football team. It's just it's shocking that it wasn't competitive because you don't really see that of uh, Dave Aranda teams. But I don't know. Looks like that uh, if we get TCU K State Big Twelve Championship, that's going to be a fun one. I don't want to likely, but I think that we all should at least pause and give a little thanks if you're rooting for either Texas and or Baylor uh, to Texas Tech. Pushing Kansas out of that picture uh, is a big big help. Uh, K-State on their schedule has West Virginia, which they fired their AD today, so not necessarily what you'd expect. After uh, that great win against win. OU. Exactly. And then um, and then they've got Kansas. So, like, those are not impossible to see them stumbling. Uh, in which case, Texas or Baylor, not dead yet. Um, I was going to say, add one more thing. I don't want to talk too much about Texas, so I'll keep this short, but – 
Um, with Arch Manning enrolling in January and the, the original plan for him to redshirt, with Quinn Ewers not playing well, the quarterback position, it, I mean, there might be a quarterback battle on our hands for next year. I mean, I, I really don't know what that's going to look like. The plan was always for Quinn Ewers to, you know, play a couple years at Texas and then, if good enough, bolt for the draft. But I don't really know what's going to happen now. Uh, he's got he's to finish strong and then have a good offseason. So, I I just I guess my my thought on that is look what's happening in the wonderful metropolis of College Station. Uh, if you think you have got to build your team to have one quarterback as your one guy and one starter, like that's just not a luxury most teams are going to have. Like, I think everything's got to be put into Sark keeping that quarterback room happy and being in a position where you've got like what Clemson has, like two guys that actually like supporting one another. Good call. Yeah. Facts. No. Yeah. Hey, uh, nothing else major. We did have, uh, we did have Oregon falling after we just, the complete suck fest we've been doing on Bo Nix. Finally, uh, that was like the game. I didn't get to watch much of it, really any of it, honestly. Um, I'd kind of pivoted to, uh, to UFC at that point, but, um, yeah, I guess that, that, I guess what's the PAC 12's hope? I guess USC. Uh, it's it's hard to say because you've got three undefeated teams, Ohio well, four undefeated teams, I'm sorry. Michigan, Ohio State, TCU, and Georgia. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play, and they're both in the same side of the, the Big Ten. Nothing's coming out of the Big Ten West. The question's going to be, okay, if, if Michigan wins that game and then wins the Big Ten, a one-loss Ohio State team likely, likely has a strong enough record, but if it's Ohio State that wins that, and Michigan has nothing else really going for it outside of the conference, um, and that's going to open the door for your Clemson's, your Pac-12 to re-enter the story. And if TCU doesn't stay undefeated, and both of those are in question, then all hell breaks loose. So yeah, you see, uh, USC, excuse me, still has so they get UCLA mm-hmm. uh, this week, and then Notre Dame next week. So. Which is going to be a good, uh, uh, what do you call it, common opponent data point for big, big time Clemson, North Carolina, Ohio State, and USC. And if man, if there's an opportunity to put Lincoln Riley and USC in the playoff, like that's pretty that's pretty juicy. His first year, I mean, I don't know. What was the second game they they screwed up? I mean, they, they lost to Utah, but they dropped the one at, or is that it? Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. One loss. By one, yeah, they, yeah. I think they'll be fine. One if point they win out. I think they'll be all right. One point loss to Utah, who's rebounded nicely on the road. On the road, and you never know what's going to happen when you step in there with Jaquan and Jackson. Yeah, JJ. Anyway, hey, could we give a shout out to our good friends at Rowback? Yeah, we're big Rowback guys. Use code Backer twenty. Backer twenty. Get twenty percent off your first order. It's a one time use code. Go in there and load up. We talk about hoodies. their polos all the time, which are the best in the game. But it's uh, it's hoodie season. They have fantastic, like, athletic-y hoodies you can wear to work out or just wear casually around town. Big fan of Roback. Have been for a very long time. Uh, Backer 20 will get you 20% off. You guys got anything else? Puffer jackets. Bet you didn't know uh, Roback did a puffer. What? I knew they did a vest. They do a puffer jacket? Mm-hmm. The Lexington. Are you shitting oh. me, KJ? Slick. Oh. I'm about to go Slick. check this out. Hey, um, y'all got anything else on college football before we uh, pivot hard and bring on a guest if he answers his we phone? Got a guest? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. We could uh, dial him up here. I'm interested to hear what he's thinking. He's probably feeling really good, has nothing negative to say about any teams. Is he going to call somebody in the fat? NFL? Probably hope not. <laughs> let's, let's just dial him up. We'll do it live. We're going to do it live. It'd be great audio if he just didn't answer. Hello, this is Micah. Hi, Micah. You're live with the Too Much Dip podcast. Wow. What a, what a treat. Hello. Hello, dippers. How are we doing, my friend? And, uh, hi, Dylan. It's, uh, it's great to hear your voice. What a what a wonderful day it is! You know, it's Monday. It's the best day of the week. It's the day to get ahead of your competition, crush your enemies, 
And, um, you know, I'm just filled with joy talking to you guys. I thought that might be your thing. I feel like you were having a pretty good day. You had a great weekend, I'm sure. What, uh, anything you want to talk about specifically? Man, there, there was some football this weekend. Um, and, uh, I, I think it was the Cowboys. Yeah, that, that was the thing that was on my mind. Um, Hey, have I mentioned that I despise Mike McCarthy? <laughs> Once or twice. This this bozo has done it again. I I just I I'm almost speechless if I weren't so furious. Uh, this team is is outrageously uh, mismanaged. They stink. I hate them. Uh, anyone who thought they were legitimate is is lying to themselves and to everyone else. They they have. One of the most mediocre coaches in the history of football, you have a play caller who does not know how to win games. You know, you have a play caller that calls plays to get yardage, but does not know how to win the game. You have to sit there at halftime and say, we're going to need to score this many points. And then they just, they just don't do it. Man, they, they, they win four games with Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush. And then they say, you know what? Let's just, let's just play Big 12 football. And let uh, Dak throw the football all over the place in terrible condition. When we have two running backs that are gashing them left and right, let's just do that. That's a great idea. Let's throw it, especially in the red zone. You know, let's get a turnover inside the ten and then throw a, a terrible interception. That, that's a great game plan. I blame Mike McCarthy for that. Um, is that your only issue with Mike? Was the game plan like? Are you where do you stand on the uh, overtime? Fourth and four. Fourth and four. Fifty-yard field goal against the wind. At Lambeau, you you said terrible conditions. Not terrible for Lambeau. Not actually, terrible. not that bad. But a November game there. Still, you don't want to kick into the wind. Versus going for it. I'll let well, you have the, the third floor. down call was versus terrible punting. Well. Versus punting. That's yeah. always an option. Look, I I was not Tom Rinaldi. I was not on the sideline. I didn't see what the <laughs> kicker did in in warmups. If he was nailing him from fifty, or if he couldn't sniff it. So. It's hard for me to say that. My first reaction is you kick field goal there, but I don't know. I'll give Mike the benefit of the doubt there. The play call was terrible. They rushed to the line. They didn't call a timeout. They didn't think about it. It was just poor. It was just poor. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just like you, you look at the other teams that are good, that we know are good. No, You know, shout out to Brett. Not teams we think are good. Teams we know are good. The Chiefs. Okay. Everybody for years has made fun of their coach with a mustache for bundling, uh, bungling end of end of game time situations. But the Chiefs are a professional team. They go play a team that stinks in Jacksonville, and they just treat them like professionals, and they win the game. That's all that it took. The Cowboys never do that. They never just give a professional effort. They've got to be excited. They've got to make things close. And I don't care that Aaron Rodgers is an anti-vaxxer and a conspiracy theorist, and just a general douche. <laughs> you can't let that guy get the football. You've got to realize you got to go score more. We, you can't let that guy have a chance at the end of the game, especially against this franchise who he murders on a consistent basis. Yeah, we, we know how that story ends. Um, I think my biggest issue with the uh, overtime management was – so McCarthy said they he knew they were going to go for it, like they weren't going to kick a long field goal. So your third, de- your third down play – so you – you throw the ball. That's the uh, non-call pass interference. Fine, but Correct. then you don't you, like you mentioned. You've been gashing them uh, on the ground with Pollard and, uh, and the other dude. And I don't know. Maybe run the ball. Get get a couple yards. Make it a fourth and short. At least something to where you're not having to throw on fourth down necessarily. I don't know. It just it's the whole thing was botched. I didn't. I did not want them to kick that field goal. But um, yikes! And that quarterback. Did not look good yesterday. No, no, he didn't. But, you know, it was a great weekend other than that. And uh, the Cowboys still sit in a pretty decent spot, even though they're in third place in the division that most people thought coming into the season was going to be the worst in football. Uh, third place out of four is not terrible, right? Although I guess they're probably staying in a playoff spot at the moment anyway. Um, they're, just, they're just pretenders. They're the same thing they've been for the last 25 years, guys. They are the most consistently mediocre team in the National Football League, and they will continue to be so. Uh, and I, I'm getting afraid. Now, of course, we're overreacting uh, to, a, to a great extent. We being the royal we. Um, you know, you play 16 or 17 games in the National Football League, that 
the equivalent of a 10-game losing streak in baseball every time you lose. So people panic, and I'm one of them. But we're getting close to the point where I call it the Romo zone, where Tony Romo was consistently a top 10 NFL quarterback, maybe not an elite guy, but top 10, better than average. But it was clear the team was just never going to win anything major with that guy under center. And I hope that we're not getting there with Dak, but we might be getting there with Dak. Oof. Mm. Micah, anybody you want to plug or shout out? Uh, we dropped a, a killer Micah's Read of the Week today. Check it out, michaelweiner.substack.com. Uh, follow me on my verified Twitter account while it's still verified, at Micah Weiner or producer Micah. And, uh, you know, whatever, that's it. I, I dropped an awesome reel based on my trip to Brooklyn recently on my Instagram, at Michael Weiner, M-I-C-A-H-W-I-E-N-E-R. That was a good reel. That was a really well-done reel. Content guy through and through. Micah, thank you. Micah, miss you. Well done. Miss you too. Mm, bye-bye. And there he goes. <laughs> there he is. Well, we don't have to spend any more time on the on them boys, but – I think that pretty much summed it up. Yeah, that that about does it. I I can't disagree with much there. No, I thought he handled that well. I thought we were about to get more because uh, it sounded like Micah was working from home. I thought we were going to get a little bit more of a meltdown from the Micah man, but hey, <laughs> shout out to him. Unless he has like the uh, DMX built in, like anytime he answers the phone, dogs bark in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that that's the case. Um, <laughs> Jeff Saturday, 1-0. Saturday, Saturday. Sorry, I just um, out for is you. Is he proving that coaching is just kind of a joke? <laughs> is he the Jake Paul of coaching? Just a guy who proved, like, anybody can step in here and do this. Wasn't his last uh, coaching gig as a, at the high school level? Only. And he, they were, like, a sub-500 team or something? Maybe. Yes. His only coaching gig ever. I was wildly misinformed, not misinformed, just underinformed. I hadn't done my research when this was announced, not realizing he hadn't coached at all. Um, what's his name? What's uh, is it Cower? Uh, Bill Cower, correct? Former Steelers head coach. Got some takes. Um, who for probably 10 years I was predicting as like the Gruden Urban Meyer of like, Every team that had a coaching opening coming up, I was like, Bill Cower, he's going to take this job. And he just never did. I was really shocked by that. Anyways, he came out to say that the Jeff Saturday hiring was a complete affront to the profession of coaching. A disgrace to the profession, I believe he said, <laughs> which is, is um, biting. And Tony Dungy, bless his heart, former coach of the Buccaneers, grew up loving the guy as a head coach, uh, kind of came with the more measured take and saying, well, they had to make these decisions in haste, and Jeff Saturday being a former player is familiar with the organization, all of these things, like giving some sort of reasoning behind the decision. Might I remind anyone that, like, yes, Frank Reich needed to go, Nobody was saying like Frank, like unless Jonathan Taylor said he needed to go right now. And there was like a, uh, Latrell Sprewell, Sprewell situation, like a choking, you know, there's no circumstance that I understand that means that meant like getting Frank Reich out there, right out of there right now is going to save their season. They're going to go back and be in the playoffs. Like not even Jeff Saturday is predicting that to be the outcome. So I don't understand like the rush to the point where you're, without a coach who can call offensive plays. And I get it. You won a game. But the Raiders are absolute dog shit trash, and Josh McDaniel shouldn't have a job either. That doesn't mean that Jeff Saturday is all, all of a sudden proven. So, you know, pardon my, like, upsetness about this. I don't care about them enough to, like, really be actually upset. But I do agree with the thought that, like, given how many discussions will be had about open coaching positions in the offseason – and like what goes into those searches and whether or not they need to have certain mechanisms in place to make it like an equitable experience to do shit like this mid season is kind of a joke. Yeah. And, uh, I think the worst thing is people are trying to make, uh, Ted Lasso tie-ins <laughs> and it's just like, just can we not, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've had enough Ted Lasso. 
for my time. I know you're a big Ted Lasso guy, both of y'all. I just don't understand why they underestimated me. Underestimated me. I can't even fucking talk. I'm sorry. You're so mad. You're so incensed I'm at this disgrace. Up. It is a bizarre move to bring that guy in. Want to know, though, Dylan? The, he doesn't get credit <laughs> for that win. Are you just mad because he, he benched Sam? No. No, I'm not. Was this, a, was this a scenario where the locker room, like, rallied around him bringing Matt Ryan back? And, like, because everybody really liked Matt Ryan? I was blown away at the decision to say that Ryan wasn't starting the remainder of the year. Like, to make that so definitively like Frank Reich did, I get it. You mean Sam? That's a no, – well, I'm Before saying that, that whenever oh. he said that uh, – when Frank Reich said that, like, Sam's the starter the rest of the way, that blew my mind. Which is – it seems like if you're in that organization's you know position, like, okay, we'll start the kid we drafted. Didn't draft him particularly high, obviously. But if he tanks – if he sucks, like we we can go get another quarterback. Yeah. If he's good, then maybe we got something we can build around. I don't know. But he was not and good in two starts. And you're not burning a year of Matt Ryan's of like getting him hurt or like using him up. Like, yes, he's older, but unless he's sitting there banging the on the desk saying like, "Hey, this is one of my last few seasons. I want to I want to be out there slinging it." Like, I'm looking at Matt Ryan, being like, "Hey, buddy, this is another year where you're not tearing an ACL. Like, rest up your arm and." and You'll be okay. This was before the trade deadline. Uh, so when they made that decision. So if anything, I would have thought Matt Ryan was going to be okay with it. But either way, Raiders are garbage. Matt, uh, Josh McDaniels, not to pivot, is six and like 31 or six and 35, I think it is, in his last 41 games. He shouldn't have a job. Their quarterback's crying on the podium. What was that about? The presser. He's crying because he was just so disappointed in the team or something. What was what was going on there? They are a monumental disappointment. I think on the list. No, I don't think so. And if there is, then we reserve the right to come back and amend these takes. However, I think he was just crying because it's like, dude, we can't we can't beat the fucking. They stink. Whoever, who are they playing? Oh, the Colts. The Colts. Yeah. Yeah, the Colts. (laughs) They're just Tebow without the promise of being better. They they are (laughs) one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL. It's just, uh, Devontae Adams still went off, but not good, man. Yeah, it is, they have not fired McDaniel yet, right? Uh, no. And to think back to last year, like Rich Basaccia, who's I th- maybe on the Cowboys staff, he's on some staff now, stepped in, fought hard, got him to the playoffs to prove like the tools are there. They didn't lose anything substantial. Fellers not, or Darren Waller's not like as good this year as he was in the past but like josh jacobs is healthy monte adams is healthy Derek carr's been there all year and you're losing to the colts that is absurd so yeah uh that can't happen yeah you're just um, you're episode two of the uh, jeff saturday ted lasso experience you don't want to be there you don't want to be on that summer jam screen it was a gut punch but can we pivot to tongue punch real quick okay I don't know. Forced. I didn't click this link. <laughs> click CK. But um, uh, it says Mike Pereira's tongue. Surely you've seen it. No. I've, I you swear, haven't? I do not know oh what this God. is referring to. I was hoping there would be something good. It. If you were on uh, Twitter at all yesterday, I assume you weren't because you would have seen it at least 500 times. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Mike Pereira had a little moment where he didn't realize he was uh, live. And just makes a really disgusting uh, tongue gesture. You got to watch it, Dave. Hang on. Let's see if I can do this without screwing up the show. This was during the Seahawks tape. Turned out to to be a pretty decent game. Yeah. I don't want to watch that again. He looks at someone off screen and and (laughs) just kind of sticks his tongue out in a uh, sexual manner. And um, a lot of jokes on the TL yesterday about it. Don't know exactly what the story was here. What's this guy's problem? At the time, like this isn't late in the day, like after seven hours of uninterrupted, you know, commercial free football. This is during the early 830 game that's being held overseas. And he's coming in as a rules analyst on a tremendous play by believe Tyler Lockett. And maybe it's a different wide receiver, but whatever. Uh, Seahawks scoring a touchdown. So he was commenting on that. And he didn't realize the producer still had his camera on. Uh, So he does this little 
tongue lash thing. Why don't you show and us then, what he uh, did? This, there's no video nah. this week. It, it looks like like some oh, like his wife like walked by and flashed him or something, and he was just like, "Oh yeah." Wait, was he? So he was at home. He I was don't, not I don't in know studio. where he was. I Definitely. mean, oh, well, I hope he was at home. I hope this was. It looked like studio. a that he had a, a studio setup, but that, obviously that could be at home. I don't really know where he was. Yeah, when you yeah, he probably got got the bag for doing absolutely nothing, contributing very minimal to any NFL broadcast. Probably he's a has part a of makeshift studio setup in his man cave or something, and he just sets up down there. Tell me this. Um, do we need our rules analyst on camera? I don't. Um, re- I mean, like, is there a little voice note when they pop on and give you like a wishy washy, like, oh, it could go either way, you know which what? he often does? I have. Do we need to see them? I have enjoyed the addition of the rules analyst that pops in all these games and just kind of gives it to you straight. I think it's fun. Dean Blandino's been better than expected, or he's gotten better over time, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I do feel bad when they like. What's the dumb show that uh, killed a guy in Georgetown? Uh, Police Live 911, whatever it was, live, blue lights, whatever, where they like do whip around coverage of like, oh, we're going to go live here to Santa Monica and we're arresting a, arresting a perp here. And then like they bring in the second guy for like commentary who's like the actual former sheriff or whatever. When Blandino like gets brought into these games, it's like, sorry, I'm just watching it for the first time, guys. Give me give me half a second. And then he gives us feedback. I'm like, okay, I appreciate the sincerity there, but, uh, I don't need them on camera. I'm glad that they're there because there's nothing I hate more than the recent player analyst who like does the kitchen table explanation of the rules. Now, what we're looking for here is does the tip of the ball cross the plane? Like, and then five times every single time they give a new angle is And we're just looking for the tip of the ball to cross the plane. It could be anywhere. It's a vertical line all the way from, I'm like, okay, calm down. Like get somebody in here who knows like how to like calmly, succinctly explain this and keep it moving. Yeah. I feel like early on, maybe I'm giving Pereira too much shit, but like his whole thing was like, he would never really give you an answer. He would just explain the rule and explain like, oh, this is what they're doing here. And then at the end, he'd be like, ah, oh, this one could go either way. You're like, dude, yep. he, I feel like he never took a position. Because <laughs> he didn't want to make the refs look bad. But it's cool that he's an oral sex guy. Well, we don't know that for sure. Uh, I think we do. I mean, you don't, look, you don't do that. You're not shooting that look to, like, I'm not, I'm not shooting you that look. Mm-hmm. I'm not. All right. I'm just not. All right. I do like the idea Maybe. of his wife walking by, like, Maybe like, no, I'm not going to get that detail. She throws up the letter V. Okay. <laughs> now Come I know on. exactly what it looked like. Last thought on this. He was just letting you know that LeBron would not be playing tonight for the Lakers. The Lakers. That's exactly what his tongue looked like. He looked like Lakers guy. Lakers guy is one of the most, all t- it's all-time gross. All-time uncomfortable videos. Um, What else we got? Oh, Vikings Bills! We had the game of the of the fucking decade that game regular so, season. That game was so much fun to watch. I've never had so much fun watching a game in which I didn't care who won. Uh, yeah, it was it was really fun, and uh, I don't really know what's kind of happening to Josh Allen. I know he's he's dealing with some things, but you just was that who's that that fumbled snap on? Was that on the center, or is that just is that on Josh both of them? Allen? A little both. I mean, usually when you see that happen, it's a center who's trying to move forward for his block too quickly. But you can also have quarterbacks moving their hands backwards or a small combination of both. Um, that feels like a very uncomfortable play to run. The quarterback sneak from your own goal line just to get, get a little breathing room in a situation where you can't lose even half a yard. A lot of pressure on that play. That, that's someone I can't take credit for this. Someone said the Bills won that game twice until somehow lost the game. It was just really <laughs> a really strange ending. But, yeah, but awesome at the same time. And had two different like egregious referee misses. There was a play where there are twelve players on the field when they made a third down stop or a second down stop that led to the field goal um, for the Vikings. And had they not gotten that, or had that been called, it would have been a first down instead of like a sack coming in then a field goal. Uh, and then the Gabriel Davis catch that they were given in order to uh, yeah. tie it up and send it to overtime. Everyone's seen that. Um, Not a good day for officials yesterday. Justin Jefferson. 
holy shit. Yeah, I put that up against any catch. It, it, it wasn't just, I mean, it was more than just that catch. He made a, like, I mean, that was a fourth down catch. He converted another fourth down that one that got him down to the one yard line. Just incredibly clutch play and miraculous catches. The guy is just insane. It was bizarre to see that happen in a game where Stefan Diggs also made like an incredible one-handed catch. Like you immediately, like, oh man, that's like OBJ esque. Like it wasn't the reach back with the PI, um, but it was about as highly extended one-handed catch as you as you would see earlier in the game by Stefan Diggs, and then Justin Jefferson put that to shame. I was expecting to come on and talk about like a complete trash throw by Russell Wilson that. Uh, Cortland Sutton turned into like one of the best one-handed catches I'd ever seen earlier in the day. And Justin Jefferson put all of that to sleep. It was, it was just a, a beautiful performance. Yeah. Um, he's, he's saving Kirk cousins reputation a week, <laughs> multiple times each season. It's unbelievable. Are they uh, a decent day? Yeah, I know. I can't give him credit, but I need to know <laughs> who, uh, who's more fraudulent in your estimation, the Vikings or, to pivot back to college football, the Horn Frogs of TCU? If, in fact, you think either of them are frauds. Some people do. Some people don't. Uh, it's it's hard for me to call TCU a fraud right now after what I, they just did to t- Texas offense. But I do think that when and if they get a playoff berth, they're going to be humbled very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get out of that four spot, though. They can get up to three, not have to deal with Georgia. Just saying. Uh, you kind of think I that think, they'll be for either not forced, but like the only way that they would be would stay in the four seed is if the committee chooses to keep them there to like embarrass them. I would feel because Ohio State or Michigan, one of them's going to have a loss, you know. So if TCU's there and they're undefeated, the committee is keeping them at four, and I think that's going to be. There's argument to say since he could have been the third team last year and they got, you know, they didn't get embarrassed, but put in their place last year by Georgia. I think they're going to do the same thing to TCU. If they lose, if TCU goes into Waco this week and loses to a very, very mid Baylor team, they won't be there. That's not good because, I mean, and like the best thing they could have hoped for, I mean, if they went out, they went out and that's fine. But if they fuck around and lose to, to Baylor, who's just looked lost on the offensive side of the ball, and defensive for that matter. Just on both sides, really. All three phases, some say. Not good. Vikings, though, it's funny. Like, the disrespect thing is still, like, we for some reason, Jim Rome was on in this office, like, before we started this pod. <laughs> and, and, I mean, they're still getting shit on. It's like, dude, they've lost one game. The disrespect. I blame podcasting. The Vikings look pretty good, man. Yeah. I mean, they've they got some... pretty good. To do- they've got... Players at it, good players at uh, to win in Buffalo. The right position. I know Josh Allen wasn't one hundred percent, but to win in Buffalo like that, um, pretty wild, pretty mm. impressive. Yeah, uh, and that's a first year head coach. So uh, when you look at what's going on in Las Vegas, um, or what's going on with, uh, I don't even feel comfortable saying the, um, or I guess the Dolphins are first year too. So uh, it's it's only magnifies the fact that you can win early on. Um, to answer your question, as far as who's more of a fraud, I, I only think TCU because the Vikings haven't beaten the Bills and haven't beaten the uh, Dolphins. That's stronger than anything TCU's done to this point. What I don't want to see is TCU go 13-0, and lose in the first round of the playoffs, and then everybody point to them as they should have never been there because I think that will be absurd. They've yeah. earned their, their spot at that point. Yeah, and that's exactly what will happen, and that's actually a pretty unfair comparison to, for TCU because, like, just because you're not a top-four team doesn't mean you're a fraud. Or just because you can't hang with Georgia or not right. lose by, you yeah. know, Good 30 point. points. Good point. But, you know, it is it, – they do seem like they're winning a lot of – they are winning a lot of games, like, just just through just weird – like <laughs> Yeah, I guess like the Vikings. The Texas D-line handled their offensive line – pretty well like they they had pressure on the quarterback all night they're gonna be baylor by 21 points they're definitely better tcu yes and if they don't then i will be very very shocked and disgusted at baylor for what they roll out against k-state 
Um, would you guys like to party, or do you have any other things on the NFL you'd like to touch on? I'm ready to party if you guys are. This is the part of the pod where we podcast, but we also party because we're those kind of guys. Do we have a new meat judging champ? Texas Tech has been dethroned. Is that what I understand? And new. We've got an and new. We've got a couple and news in the sports what does, party. Um, what does meat judging entail? Judging meat. Yeah, that obviously, tail. but like, what, why is there a, a whole field for this? Like, why is this a thing? And why there's, is there a competition for it? I really don't know. Like, I'm, this is total ignorance talking here. I feel like we've been, we've jumped into this and like discussed it at length. And I don't, I don't really know how to answer your question, man. Okay. Okay. We just know they can judge. <laughs> we just know tech, Texas Tech was like an absolute actual dynasty. The state of Texas just has a, is just an absolute juggernaut in the the meat judging. Tech and now uh, Texas A and M. Hang the banner! Congrats A&M. to the Aggies. That's big. A year when uh, their football team is three and seven. Mm. Holy shit! Uh, at least they have something to hang their hats on. Very cool. Three I'm, and seven. I'm getting completely unsubstantiated Texas rumors. Ooh. That uh, the winds of change. Uh, it could be blowing. Could be blowing. I don't know what that means. Station. KJ, can you shed uh, some more light? Eighty million dollars might not be too much. Oh, um, thought it was ninety. <laughs> whatever it is, I don't know. But uh, on the meat judging front, congratulations to Texas A and M. I'm gonna rise above. I will not follow through with any comments on the questionable appearance of any of the winners. We'll keep it moving, and we'll be professionals here. Oh, I have to click on this link now and see what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, we got to talk about the business advisory board for the Big 12. Drop in- back. Includes includes a number of power players in the business industry like, oh, I don't know, Dylan, maybe Steve Bergstrom, the chairman of the Williams Company, Elizabeth Brady, EVP, chief marketing, customer and communications officer at Allstate, also Garth Brooks. <laughs> Why is Garth on here? Also, Jason Kidd. How does he have time? Oh, what about the CEO of Fuddruckers? Oh, Nicholas no. Perkins. Come on. It's for, it, oh, my God. Fuddruckers. The Business Advisory Board will play a crucial role in creating the blueprint to growing our brand and business. I appreciate each board member's willingness to assist the Big 12 in crafting our business strategy. I'm sorry. Jason Kidd's done a lot. This is but, so, there's so many names on this list. Is Jake Kidd on the list of like people you want to bring in? Like, hey man, help us with the brand. Nothing, uh, nothing uh, on that Say resume it. that looks weird. About his Say history it. at all? Yeah, that resume is clean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This uh, is just weird. But Garth, I do love that Garth Brooks' name is just somehow on this, and we're supposed to be like, yeah, all right, good. I guess he's a huge Oklahoma State booster that kind of makes sense and he has like his own individual independent brand like i'm kind of surprised you don't get tony uh what's uh i love this bar guy from enid uh why isn't he on here and why is his name escaping me but whatever gary got v- fucking f and garth brooks gary v's uh, on here <laughs> is that the gary v that Jason i Kidd on here he's the one who does not belong he's not a Local from like a heritage, like he's he's from what the northeast. He went to Cal, yeah, or West Coast, yeah. Like I don't understand that. Uh, and and to former or like to uh, further cement it, it's not as if like you have like the Jason Kidd Foundation or enterprises or some endeavor that he's done. They're just like head coach. Yeah, LeBron would make more sense. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I'm just looking through these names. And Gary V, people forget about Gary V. Gary V's on here. Gary Vaynerchuk, that's him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. All you got to do is talk about it. I missed that name on here. This list is so long. He was real hot back in the blogging days. I I thought he fell off, but apparently not. Well, we weren't asked. Maybe next year. Redbird Capital Partners. Uh, Yeah, that's just money in South Dallas, by the way. But anyways, uh, I hope something cool comes of it. Clearly, money means a lot in college athletics right now. If this means that you're going to be able to stand up the Big 12, like with actual events, um, 
that attract better players as you know they continue on as a conference i'm all for it all for it okay tell me about the celtics balls uh not gonna lie this was certainly a story that i i read while in the pose um i don't know if that's how you're supposed to say that i was on the throne and the celtics have been pissing other teams off because after the final like before the final four minutes of each first half and the second half you've seen this move where a player will inbound the ball sometimes they'll roll it and wait on the other team to like come defend them before they pick it up oh yeah and it's because the shot clock will not start until they pick up the ball in the final four minutes you've got to cross the eight second line get across half court before that you don't that eight second count is not a part of it the game clock keeps ticking so let's say you're the celtics and you're up by 12 early in the second quarter and you want to put in your backups stop a, a run from happening that would you know diminish that lead they're rolling in the ball sometimes just letting it get to the free throw line the other other teams on the other half of the court and they kind of do like a two-man wall and somebody else is standing by the ball and they'll just wait until somebody runs up to try to get the ball and the point being like they're able to tick off 10 11 12 seconds until the other team like does something about it or you come and you full court press and you're exposing your defense and allowing them to maintain that lead uh other teams have been getting pissed off aaron gordon uh for nuggets i believe has gotten a flagrant foul basically like damn near clotheslining somebody running into this defense uh and i'm sure the competition committee will look at it i think it's pretty savvy refs don't like it hmm. they're essentially able to just set the ball on the ground and let the game clock tick down and the shot clock does not move until somebody does something about it so interesting mm. okay kudos up. to uh kudos to them you know they didn't even need their coach uh harassing their own players to allow this uh strategy to unfold so shouts okay for their own staff i should say uh we've got a new champion of middleweight in the ufc alex Pereira defeats style bender the last style bender Israel Adesanya, who I'm a big fan of, and uh, a stoppage in the last round. And Izzy was winning that fight. He was looking to avenge two losses to the same guy in a kickboxing organization before they were in the UFC. And uh, he just took a third L, and there will probably be a rematch. He was very, uh, very contrite. He was he was good in his presser. I think he's in good spirits. We will get a rematch, but we got to end the UFC notes. On uh, rest in peace, Rumble, Anthony Johnson, the great Anthony Johnson. Uh, I feel like he was a perennial contender, knockout artist, like 17 KOs in the uh, in the cage. Uh, died at 38 yesterday of uh, organ failure due Jeez. to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I, did, I knew he was sick, did not know what it was, but yeah, he passed away. And that sent some waves through the UFC world because he was very, very well-liked, well-regarded. Lost a couple title fights to uh, DC, Daniel Cormier, which is, you know, happened to most people. And uh, yeah, he was one of the first one of the first guys I, when I was still anti UFC, all in on boxing guy. I, I think Rumble was one of the first fights I watched, and I always liked him. And his name is just dope. His nickname, just Rumble Johnson. That's just an all time nickname. So damn, that's so young. Yeah, Holy rest shit. in peace to Rumble, man. All right, you want to run it back? Yeah. Let's run it back. We got a short one this week. Uh, run it back, the segment during which we talk about what we already talked about. KJ got holocucked and also invented a new term. Harold Perkins Jr. looks like Micah on the football field. That's Parsons, not Weiner. You never know what's going to happen when you take the field against Jaquindon Jackson. You brought it up, not me. The people at home aren't mad. And finally, Dave impossibly missed the tongue video on the TL Sunday. Yeah, uh, that's an L on my part. It was disturbing. So I good, got to good see it you. in real time on the show. There you go. Luckily, people weren't. There's no video this week because they wouldn't. They would yeah. have seen me demonstrate what it looked like, and mm -hmm. it just was unnecessary. And I hope he apologized for it. That concludes run it back. Well, guys, there's enjoyed no it. Reason for you to show us the letter V when you're demonstrating the move. Mm. Hey, uh, real Come quick, on. check out the Wash Media shop. New hat drop in most likely tomorrow. A lot of other good stuff on there. A new shirt was added today, actually, too. If you're a circling back listener, you might be interested. Check it out. Touching Based. Touching Based is the ah, name of the shirt. Loved it. Yes. Shout out, Ricky. Shout out to Micah for calling in. 
And uh, shout out to everybody for tuning into the live stream. Eddie Radosevich. I'm going to keep saying his name because I did him so wrong. Uh, great guest. We'll have him back in the future, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, this week, keep an eye out for a little bonus content coming out maybe Wednesday. Maybe a little lad football bruv bonus Big content. Big soccer tournament coming out. Turns out, yes. Big soccer tourney coming up. There's, and there's no controversy. John the John Hamble. I don't even understand the reference, but it sounds funny because he's got a huge Just cock. Just all the commercials. Large cock. He does, yeah. Famously big dick. Doesn't wear <laughs> okay. underwear. Yeah, we, okay. we, we got it. All right. All right. Bye. Goodbye. I want my chips with the dip. That's all Bye. I know. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with the dip. So bring them dips.